Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. There you go. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Uh, if you are a guest with us, man, I'm so thankful that you are here today. Uh, if you are a mom and came in and got to shop at Target, Happy Mother's Day. That was cool, wasn't it? I mean, I uh, let me tell you my contribution to that endeavor. I literally walked into Kimberly Pinson, our children's pastor's office, and I said, hey, do something cool for Mother's Day. All right, that was it. All right, that was it. And so, so they came up with that idea. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and so I hope you enjoy that. I think you'll probably enjoy it more than the second service because they're actually switching it up right now. The second service, um, they're going to uh, build a Kmart out there and have a blue light special. And so I don't know that that's going to be as good, right? So you never know. So way to come early. Good job. All right. And so <laughs> we're going to be in First Kings chapter 17 today. Uh, as we look at Mother's Day, uh, I love the video. It ties in so well with, with uh, what I'm going to speak about today. Mother's Day, um, uh, typically, and I, and I tend to, to make it uh, uh, real Proverbs 31, I, and I, I love Proverbs 31 and preaching through that, um, but there, there are times where you have to deal with some of the essence of different types of situations within Mother's Day, and I think this text does a really, really good job of that. And so it's a super encouraging sermon. It's a super encouraging idea, but we've got to go through real life to get there today. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, stick with me. I'm telling you, uh, there is there is great hope and encouragement in this sermon. So 1 Kings chapter uh, 17 is where we're going to start. And we're going to do this today uh, a little bit different. We're going to do it like a, like a story in a book. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to label, we're going to do five chapters of a book. And so uh, you, you can all go home today and said, I read a book. And so we're going to look at that today. So 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17 is where we're going to begin. First two words, after this, after this. Chapter 1 is labeled faithfulness, faithfulness, after this. You need to learn to read the Bible and understand the Bible contextually. In other words, it's not a bunch of stories that don't have anything to do with what came before or what came after. God has a meta-narrative throughout the Bible, and it goes from the beginning of creation to the judgment seat of Christ at the end. And there is a story arc within that, and you need to understand that. So what happens to this widow that it says after this, because you need to understand what she's going through if you're going to understand this story. In fact, this story is kind of a sequel. The first uh, movie or the first book was last week. So what is the after this? Well, the, the story is, is uh, the widow of Zarephath. We don't know her name. We know uh, her station in life that her husband had passed away and that she was uh, fairly destitute, we see early on. But she welcomed, the faith, she welcomed God in the form of his prophet. 
and she fed him. She literally gave from her own uh, plate for this prophet Elijah. She also housed him. We're going to see in this, in this story that, that he lived in a room that she had built. And so, so this is a woman who has been faithful to God. It's so important that you understand what's going on in her faithfulness because this is um, her being faithful to God. So God's going to now test her faith. Now, when God tests our faith, he's not trying to discover for himself how good it is, all right? So God knows everything. So God wants to test our faith so that you can see progress in your life. Because think about it. When, you remember when you went to go see your grandparents uh, when you were growing up, and they're like, oh my goodness, when they, you know, they, you've grown so much. Like, and you didn't feel any different, but they saw the difference. What's, it's not near as fun when you're an adult and your parents look at you and Oh my goodness, you got fat. All right, that's like, <laughs> I don't feel any different. Well, you look it. All right, so, so <laughs> but it, you know, you don't feel it day in and day out. You don't feel your faith growing day in and day out, but it, it, it is growing. So God tests us from time to time to show us our progress. That's what he's going to do in this, in this sermon. It's, it's uh, taking a test and you're like, I got this. Sometimes you're like, I got this. And then that first question pops up and you're like, oh no, I don't know. That's on the test. I didn't even know that. Or, or you're, you're nervous about it, and all of a sudden you just zip through it, and you're like, I own that material. That's what God's doing. He's showing her how well she's doing. So he's, he's showing this. Now, this um, sermon today, this story today is going to uh, absolutely just totally destroy one of the biggest myths of Christianity. One of the biggest myths or lies of Christianity, if you want to uh, use that word, is what I call the smooth sailing myth. The smooth sailing myth. The smooth sailing myth is I give my life to Jesus and I'm trying to serve him like I'm literally doing my best. I'm leaning into Christ. I'm leaning into who he is and, and how to connect with him. Therefore, I should have smooth sailing in my life. I should have, it should be fairly easy. It should be very fulfilling. Things should go well. Why? Because I deserve that. I'm trying and he sees that so he should give me that. Well, that's that's not true. That's a myth. That's, that's not the way Christianity works, that everything is easy, everything is convenient, everything comes together in that way. It is a myth. So we're going to look at our, the smooth sailing myth, and we're going to see that, that problems and discomfort, that, that challenges, even in the midst of testing for a woman like this who's doing really, really well, come. So chapter one is faithfulness. Chapter two is labeled tragedy. See the, see the context here. She's doing well. Everything is, is, to the best of her ability, she's done well. But chapter 2 is tragedy. Verse, um, we're going to read all of verse 17 again. After this, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. His illness got worse until he stopped breathing. Then she said to Elijah, man of God, why are you here? Have you come to call attention to my iniquity so that my son is put to death? It's tragedy. Now, hardships come to believers. The smooth sailing myth that everything will go perfect and everything uh, will be easy and fulfilled is shattered in all of our lives. 
in all of our lives. There are moments of tragedy that come, and your tragedy is very different than mine. Yours is, uh, you know, maybe yours is illness, mine is financial, maybe yours is a family situation, and, and someone else's is, is a job situation. There's, or, or uh, the, really and truly, the worst types of, of, of tragedy are when they come multiples. Uh, the first time I ever went to counseling, I am in counseling regularly. If you are not in counseling, then you probably should be. Uh, I want you to, man, we embrace counseling here. We do not have it figured out, and uh, I am the king of that. And the very first time that I went uh, to counseling, I remember uh, multiple things happening simultaneous. Uh, and one of those was the, was the fires. Um, and then we had some, some internal problems within our staff and some other things. And, and I remember just being oh, just overwhelmed to, to the point I couldn't talk, literally. Now, think about it. I'm a professional speaker. <laughs> you know, it's sort of important that I talk. And uh, I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't communicate. I couldn't get work. It was, it was horrible. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this. I have told you these things. What? That we're going to have trouble. Put that up there, please. I've told you these things. John 16, 33. That uh, in me you may have, or that, uh, that you will have suffering in this world. But be courageous. I have overcome the world or I've conquered the world. Jesus says, Jesus says explicitly to believers in this text, you're going to have suffering. There's going to be suffering. So, so uh, I don't want to scare you. I don't want to alarm you. Uh, the only way to prepare is to be faithful to Christ. That's the only way to prepare. There will be suffering in this world, and it will come. The problem with suffering, let me give you two words that kind of unpack it. The first is unexpected. Suffering is unexpected. Things are going well, you're having an enjoyable day, and then the phone rings. Or somebody knocks at the door, or somebody walks in. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not like you know it's coming. It's just out of nowhere. That's what makes suffering so difficult. That's what makes challenging things so difficult, is that you weren't prepared. You were just sitting at home doing nothing, or you were just at the job, and then it changed. It changes in a dr drastic way many, many times. The second one, the second word, so first is unexpected. The second is unfair. It does not, if you have a, a view of the smooth sailing myth, then, then I'm telling you, it rocks our world because it seems so unfair. If I was this widow, I would have been like, what is, how, whoa, I have been faithful. This is the man of God, and I have fed him. He lives in my house. In fact, I gave him uh, my last bit of food before I took it myself. That's unfair. Why in the world would the Lord allow her son to pass away when she has been so faithful to God in this moment? It is unexpected. It is unfair. Now, she also says something that is a total total uh, mistake in, in our theological thinking, and I want to I highlight it with another uh, verse. She says, she says, have you called me, or have you come here to punish me for being a sinful person? Now, death and destruction and 
thorns and thistles and weeds in your yard and mosquitoes and cockroaches and everything else that's gross in this world has come because of sin. But you do yourself a disservice when you think that because a tragedy happened, it's a one-to-one ratio of, of, of some type of sin that you did. And that's why you're having this. Let me show you a text. John chapter uh, 9, verses 1 through 3. Put those up there, please. John 9, 1 through 3. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man, and that man was blind from birth whole life he had lived at birth. So his disciples, they're making the same mistake. So they say to him, hey, rabbi, who sinned? Did this man sin or did his parents sin? Who, who messed up so that he sinned? That's why he was born blind. Then look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Neither one. No, 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 no. Jesus answered them and he says, this has come so that God's works may be displayed in him. God is going to, if you'll stick with me, this is the hard part of the sermon. If you will stick with me, God's works can so often be displayed in the hardness of life. In the moments of tragedy and trial, in the moments of temptation, God can show up in ways that he never would or could in, in when everything goes well, in the smooth sailing. So God wants to show up in our lives, and this is the way he does it. Chapter 3, Intervention. So we're in a tragedy, but now we're going to intervene. Now, we think of intervention as someone who is, who is struggling either uh, with, usually with substance abuse, so alcohol or drugs. So we intervene in their life and try to get them uh, to go to rehab and, and get help. And, and that's certainly what's happening here, but, but uh, there's a lot more to intervention. Sometimes, and, and usually in those situations, you're trying to talk the person into realizing they have a problem. They are drinking too much. The, the drugs are taking over their life. But many times what happens is people know they have a problem and they suffer in silence and they wonder if the world sees. They wonder if God knows. That's what I think this woman would have been experiencing in this moment. Like, how come this is happening, God? Why does this occur? And, and, and you, 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 you don't have those answers. And so you would love, you would welcome actually someone who is godly with your perspective in mind, who intervenes in your life to do something miraculous, to say, hey, I don't know, but let's go and let's talk to God, because he does. That's what intervention is. So, verses 19 through 21 says, but Elijah said to her, give me your son. So he took him from her arms, and he brought him up to the upstairs room where he was staying. He laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, and he said, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord, and he said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come back into him again. He intervenes for the power of God in her life. That is one of the jobs of the ministers of the church. That is one of my jobs. That is one of your staff's jobs, for us to know you and for us to intervene when uh, tough situations happen, when life comes up, when your sermon today is not a Proverbs 31 sermon, which is you're doing a great job as a mom and you are blessed. And that's a, that's a very valid sermon. But for some of you today, uh, Mother's Day is difficult. Mother's Day is hard. Mother's Day brings up some memories from your life. And so I want to do a timeout right here. I want to do a timeout from a sermon, and I'm going to tell you a few things, all right? So you don't need to take notes during this section. You just need to listen if I'm talking to you. If you're a mom 
who has, is, is, this is, this is a, a, a difficult day or maybe a, a mixed bag of days. You've got joy and sadness in, in this sermon. I want, I want you to uh, hear some things. First of all, uh, that would be people, uh, that would be women who, who went into life and wanted to have children, and you, you don't or you didn't. It's got to be very, very painful if, if, if you have a dream, if you have a desire, and those aren't fulfilled or, or, or can't be fulfilled at this point, however those happen. For many of you, that's, that's um, miscarriages. Man, such a, such a painful endeavor to, to give so much of your life and your body and your thoughts and your time and your love and for that baby to be gone away. Uh, for some of you, that's, that's infertility. Um, that, that's, a, that's a tough season because you're young and all your friends are, are getting pregnant and you're excited for them and you, you truly are and you're praying for that for your own life, but, but, but that's, that's just this, this monthly cycle of, of disappointment in God and how that works out. Some of you um, have lost a child. Some of you have had a, a, a child... Uh, that's no longer with us. And, and some of you, I've, I've done those, those funerals for you. Um, as a pastor, I love you and I'm so sorry. I don't know that those words connect though as well as two things that I can give you from scripture that Jesus can say to you. First of all is this. We often wonder what happens to uh, babies to, or, or young children who, who die. Um, what, what happens? Well, the Bible is very clear on this point, and I want to I show you uh, a text. This is uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. King David had a, a, a son, but, but the son got very sick. As soon as he was born, got very sick and eventually died. Now, as the son was, was struggling with life, King David was praying and he was fasting. He was asking God for help. And then uh, the, the baby passed away. And David got up and, and the Bible says he washed himself and he, and he ate. And one of his servants was like, why, why are you doing this? And, and David said, you know, the Lord, the Lord has, has taken him and, and, and I can't do anything about that. And then he says one of the best phrases for you as a mom, if you have lost a child, a young child, David says, he can't come to me. In other words, he's in heaven, but he can't come back to earth. I asked God for that, but that didn't happen. But David says, I will go to him. In other words, King David is now with Christ, and he met that baby in heaven. He met that child in heaven. And I'm here to tell you, under the authority of the Word of God, when you have a small child, when you have a baby, a young child uh, that dies, that God's grace covers their life, and God's grace covers everything about them, and they're in the presence of Jesus. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will see them again, and He is holding them till that day. I believe that with all of my heart because that's what Scripture has said. That might not cure all of your anxiety or all of your hurt here on earth, and my words probably are, are, are lacking within that. I get that. But let me give you someone who aren't. God the Father understands because He knows what it's like to lose a child. Jesus died. His one and only son. God understands exactly what it's like to lose a child. 
He understands the pain. He understands the remorse. He understands all of those feelings that you have. And God is there in those moments. He understands. He knows what it's like to lose a child. And he can comfort you in a way that only someone who's been through what you've been through can. And God understands. He is a father who's lost a child. That's Jesus's, That's his and Jesus' story. And so today, we want to intervene for you. We as a staff want to intervene for you. And the only way that we can is not to teach you biblical principles, but to pray for you. So after service today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of prayer. And we're going to pray. Uh, the text uh, specifically talks about healing. This, uh, you know, God raised this person from the dead. And so we're going to pray for physical healing if you would like us to. If you have uh, physical needs within your life, the Bible says uh, in James chapter 5 that those people can come and that the elders of the church that will lay hands on them and they will anoint them with oil and they will pray over them. And we want to pray for physical healing today if that's where this sermon finds you. Now, if this sermon finds you within, within hurt and doubt or, or pain or anguish, man, we want to intervene in your life as well. So we would love to pray for you of uh, the needs of your life. So there'll be four or five of us up here. We have uh, several women that are going to be praying with us this morning as well. If you would uh, feel more comfortable being prayed for uh, by a woman, we certainly do that. And we just want you to know, man, we love you and, and I'm sorry for pain, but I want you to know that we want to intervene in your life and that's what we do. And we want you to know the God of the universe who truly understands and who truly fixes situation and truly does miraculous, wonderful things. And even when tragedy occurs, we have the hope of the resurrection in Jesus Christ and an eternity with him. So let us pray for you. We're going to do it after service. The reason is, is we're, we won't be rushed that way. Uh, if the next service starts towards the end, we can go out somewhere else. We have no time limit on this thing. So there'll probably be some lines and that's fine. Don't rush off. We want to intervene and to pray uh, for you today. That's one of our callings uh, in the ministry. Now, time back in. Let's go back to the sermon. Chapter 4 is miracle, is miracle. Here's where encouragement comes. The miracle only happens at the end of a problem. If you don't have hard situations, if you don't have moments of, of complete loss of control, then you don't need a miracle. Miracles happen when problems occur and God intervenes and does something supernatural. So verse 22 and 23. So the Lord listened to Elijah, and the boy's life came back into him again, and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy. He brought him down to the upstairs room into the house, and he gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, look, your son is alive. God does miracles. God is a miracle-working uh, God. God over is an overcoming, circumstance-defeating God. He wants to do miracles in your life. He wants to show himself. Uh, approved, and we pray for that. Uh, the last time we did this, I asked somebody this morning, I prayed for them in cancer. They had to go all the way through the treatment, but they're cancer-free now. Man, praise the Lord for those things. Praise God for the supernatural. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for instantaneous supernatural miracles. We're going to pray that God does amazing, wonderful things that no one can ever say, well, that you have to go, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. 
That's what we're praying for, that nobody uh, besides the name of Jesus gets credit for that. Did y'all hear that? That was cool. I love that. So if you didn't hear that, some kid squeaked a toy. I think that's awesome. Don't ever take children out of here. I love kids in our services. So uh, I think that's cool, but I am highly distractible. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. We probably needed a tension breaker anyway, didn't we? <laughs> so we're going to pray. We're going to pray uh, for supernatural miracles. I wrote a bunch of, of, of ideas here today. The Bible teaches us that when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, that the Bible says, uh, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. One of the things that God gives us in salvation is a life purpose, is a vision, is a dream for our lives. But let's be honest, some of us find ourselves in the moment of needing a miracle because it feels like the dream is, is dwindling, is, is, is being broken apart. But we believe because the Bible teaches that we believe that God is a restorer of dreams, that God brings all things, can make all things new, that God can take what the enemy meant for evil and do it for good, that God can take what the enemy meant to destroy and bring it back. We believe in a restoring God. We believe that the Bible teaches that Christ walked the earth and Christ touched blind eyes and they saw, that Christ touched uh, deaf ears and they heard, that Christ touched legs that had never walked before, and they walked, and then they ran. So therefore, if the Bible teaches that, that we believe that Jesus is on the throne, and his authority is not diminished in any way, and he knows you, and he sees you, and he wants to do miracles in your life to show himself powerful. We believe that Christ is a conqueror, that when he was resurrected from the dead on this day, on Sunday, that he defeated sin and death and hell. Therefore, we believe that Jesus is a resurrected God, and he mocks the grave, and he says, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Jesus is a resurrected God, and if he can conquer death, he has all things under control. We believe that the Bible teaches the story of a prodigal son who saw the moment of his life and saw where he was and saw what he was going through in his life and said, how foolish am I? My father's house has so many servants who have more than me, and he runs back home and the father sees him because he's watching. The father greets him. The father puts a ring on his finger. The father puts a, a coat on his back. The father puts shoes on his feet. The father throws him a party. And we believe that God is the God who can help prodigal sons and daughters wake up to the reality of where they are. And we believe God can bring them home. Amen. We believe God can bring them home. Absolutely. And if you're living in this right now, then you can talk to my mom because I was a prodigal son. Your pastor was a prodigal son, and I realized, and I came home. And so we would love to pray for that with you. We believe that the angel Gabriel told Mary, you shall conceive a son. And she said, how can this be? I am a virgin. And he says this amazing phrase, nothing is impossible with God. Say it with me. Nothing is impossible with God. Like you believe it. Nothing is impossible with God. He is a miracle working God, and your individual situations, we want to know about them, but he is a conqueror of all of them. Nothing is impossible with God, and I can't do it, and your staff can't do it, but we can intervene for you, and we can pray for you, and we can watch God do a miracle. Amen? Amen. We believe it. Nothing is impossible with God. Chapter 5, strengthening. Strengthening. 
Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know. Maybe before I thought, maybe before there was a little, mm, but now I know. You're a man of God, and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. She believes in the word of God like never before. She believes in the power of God like never before. Now, remember, she wasn't doing bad at the beginning. Chapter 1 was faithfulness, but chapter 5 is strengthening. She walks out better. She walks out strong. I, I see something that if the smooth sailing would have actually happened, I never would have seen. There's, I'm strengthened now in my faith. No one, I, you, you know, we've all been through different things, but no one would look back at the circumstance and saying, oh, I love that. That was, that was so great, God. I just, you know, the pain was, but we can look back and we can honestly say, God, you made me better. You made me more like you in those moments. And so I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you strengthened me when I was weak. You carried me when I was lame. God, you you looked for me when I was blind. You heard for me when I was deaf. You are a wonderful, wonderful God. And now I know her strength has been grown. And so we want to pray. Well, I want to intervene for you today. I think uh, so many times I have, the, I, ha I have the tendency to preach really motivating without being really hurtful. And I knew that this sermon would be hurtful. But I also knew God is amazing and wonderful. And I want you to experience those things today. And so we're going to pray that those things happen. Let's do that right now. Let's pray. If you are here today, the story started out with the widow's faithfulness. She was faithful. So where do you need to start? Faithfulness. Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace through faith that you are saved. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God so that no one can brag. So we start, we all need to start, regardless of where the sermon's going to take us or the, the, the story's going to take us, we all have to start in faithfulness. That you believe in God, that you are trusting in Him for your life, for your eternity. So today, if you've never shown faith in Christ, then the greatest miracle you will ever see at a church is the one that we probably get so used to um, that we forget it. Because it happens every single week at River Valley. And it's the, 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 the greatest miracle that you see is seeing de spiritually dead people brought back to life. Seeing people without hope or an eternity facing a Christless eternity that turn to Him and get salvation for their life and get the Spirit of God that enlivens them for the days ahead and gets an eternity that is secured in Jesus Christ. That is the greatest miracle ever because it is a mirror of the greatest miracle of Christ's life and the greatest miracle of all time, which is the resurrection that Jesus was crucified for our sins, that he was buried, that he was put in a tomb, and on the third day he came alive. Jesus is a resurrected God. Let him resurrect your life today. Call out to him in faith. I believe that you can save me. Tell him, I know you have to. 
because of the way I've lived my life. Let Jesus Christ forgive and set you free. Believe that he was raised from the dead and you will be saved. Now, for those who have experienced that in their lives, many of you, you're going through, you know, difficult uh, situations and hurtful things. So I'm going to intervene for you as a group today, but then offer you after the end of service to intervene for you um, individually. Father, I thank you today, God, for um, hope and encouragement even in the midst of pain. God, I pray that those who are going through uh, or have gone through these situations wouldn't think of us being callous to bring them up, but would think of us, uh, I'm so glad someone else sees. I'm so glad someone else notices. And I'm so glad that someone else cares. And I'm even more glad that God wants to do something in the midst of it to give me peace, encouragement, hope, or understanding. God, I thank you. Uh, for the privilege of that in Jesus' name. And God, we rise to see uh, you again. We rise until that day that we may worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.